Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it. Because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. He's Paul Latino. I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes. And it is presented by Cadillac, the official luxury vehicle of the New York football Giants. Multiple ways to interact with us here on the program. You give us a ring, 201-939-4513. You can hit us up on Twitter, hashtag GiantsChat. And as a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. So it's a Friday in the real world, but it's not a Friday in the Giants world. (laughs) They're playing Monday. Unusual to have Friday off, but that's how they worked out this week. So the players are not practicing today. Tomorrow will be a typical Friday for them. Yes. And then they will gear up for the game in Philadelphia. So we didn't hear from Brian Dable earlier today, and there's no new developments with respect to injuries of any kind. But we can react a little bit to the coordinator speaking to the media the other day and Philadelphia and the challenge that it poses. And I think from the Eagles' standpoint, there's two question marks from a health perspective, Paul, based on the yes. first injury report that came out. Number one is the offensive line. They have both of their starting guards are banged up. Cam Jurgens missed the last game with a pectoral injury. Mm-hmm. And then Dickerson just got thumb surgery. So his yes. status is very much up in the air. Dickerson did not practice the other day. Jurgens was a full participant. So Landon's status is right now a question mark. From what I heard, it seems like Jurgens is trending in the right direction to be back out there. The other player to monitor is Avante Maddox, their nickel corner. Mm-hmm. He's been on IR since week two. They just started up his clock. He was a full participant in practice the other day. Now, just because he practices this week, Paul, does not mean they're going to activate him. It's possible they take their time, but that would bolster a secondary that does not have Darius Slay because he just underwent knee surgery. James Bradbury has been struggling, the former Giant, and they've had a mix and match of personnel back there. They've got a nice pair of safeties, but... Maddox would help stabilize what has been an issue for them on the back end a little bit this season. Well, their back seven, in all honesty, uh, is the reason that they're. you could label them. I said this the other day on the program. You could label them a mediocre defense. They've actually allowed more points than the Giants have this year. 
three they, more points. They have the worst third down defense in the NFL right They've now. given up 30 yeah. touchdown passes, which is the second most in the NFL. Um, you know, their secondary and their linebackers have been their weakness. Now, the thing about it is, when you still have a top-flight defensive line, that kind of overshadows a lot of the other weaknesses because we all know that if you can be stout up front, uh, somewhat control the running game enough to where teams have to throw, and then you can get after the quarterback, let's face it, a lot of other warts get covered up. And this is why the team is still 10-4, and four, even though, and we had some arguments with some calls the other day, Lance. I know you were not on the program, but John and I had to take some calls. And even Charlie's like, oh, this Eagles team is better than the Eagles team of last year. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. The back seven of this Eagles defense is very vulnerable. And on times when their front cannot do damage, they become very susceptible. To, uh, to getting beat. And their front hasn't been as effective in getting after the quarterback. It's still pretty history. good. No, still, still pretty, pretty good, good. But what I'm saying is <laughs> it just goes to show you when they don't get home. I agree with you, Paul, that they leave issues on the back end. Mm-hmm. And if the back end can't clean it up, it becomes a problem area. Because, you know, the other thing which just goes to show you why the Eagles are not as good as they were last year. And we could sit here and analyze all the numbers on the offensive and the defensive side, Paul. But I would point to... Nine of their 14 games this season have been decided by one score. They've yeah. been playing a lot of tight games. They're not running away from the opposition. They're not beating them up. The Eagles are not a juggernaut. That doesn't mean that they're not a good team. It's just they're not as dominant as they were last season. And Correct. a big part of that is is Jalen Hurts' numbers have also dipped across the board. He's doubles his interceptions. His passer rating is down. Passing yardage per game is down. He does have 14 rushing touchdowns, so that has helped them. But they're just they're not as dynamic and as explosive, and they're not as good at taking away the football as they were last season. Mm-hmm. Paul, to me, it's amazing, and this just goes to show you, we've had conversations like this. As much as scheme can help take away the football, okay? There are co- good coordinators that get their players to be in position mm-hmm. to make those type of plays. But it's still, it's unreliable. You go from one season, top no of the doubt. list— to the next season, middle of the pack. So the Eagles are an example of they were one of the top teams in turnover differential. They're minus six this year because they're turning it over a lot more and they're not then bringing it back the other way. The other thing that I think spells out what I'm talking about, they've got a point differential of plus 18. Just to put things in perspective, Dallas is over 100 in point differential. Right. Last year, the Eagles, like I said, they were in cruise control. They're not in that position this year. So those numbers alone, I think, tell you the difference in terms of where they were in 2022 compared to where they are this season. For those who haven't followed the Eagles much this year, now we've been able to see them in the New York area a number of times on television because of the way the schedules have worked out. It's quite clear that age, injuries, and team speed have been three issues in the back seven of their defense. And when those three things converge, you start to see cracks in the wall. And that's what's happened. Now, Philadelphia is still 10-4. and They are still a top-shelf team. But they are now, at this time, well behind San Francisco, in my opinion, as favorites in the NFC East. And quite frankly, Dallas has performed a lot better than I thought they would, but especially at home, where they have been absolutely incredible at home not as much on the road 
So it's going to be very important for Dallas if they think they got any chance of sniffing the Super Bowl. They've got to be home for the playoffs. I, I, I don't see the same team on the road. The Cowboys are the Dolphins of the NFC. Miami is unbelievable at home. They are not the same team on the road. And that's what separates the Miami Dolphins, the Dallas Cowboys, you know, from the more more so elite teams. You know, if you're going to say they're top-shelf teams, you can say that. They're heavyweights. But you want the real championship heavyweight contender? You're talking San Francisco. Uh, You can talk Dallas half the time. You could talk Miami half the time. But... That's what it comes down to right now. I think the Ravens are now kind of asserting themselves as potentially one of those teams up there too. Sure. But but let's face it, uh, Lance, the, the, the bottom line is the supposed top-shelf teams that we've seen from the last two or three years, I mean, the Bengals have warts, the Chiefs have warts, the Eagles have warts. Everybody has question you know, marks, yeah. There are more and more question marks among the top-shelf teams in the league than, than probably the last four or five years. Well, I think the NFC is very top-heavy. It's the Niners, the Cowboys, the Eagles, and then the Lions I'd put right behind Yeah, them. John wanted to put the Lions on that shelf, too. I, I think they're a little shorter, My issue, a little, little underneath. And I would agree with you. My issue with Detroit is their defense is unreliable. Yeah. It's very unpredictable. And they were like that last season. I think Dallas, Philadelphia, and San Francisco have defenses that are far more consistent. Mm-hmm. So that's why I will not put the Lions in that group. I'll put them right behind. In the AFC, I don't think it's as top-heavy. I think it's more dispersed across the board. That's fair. So I think you could have a few more wild card teams that could have a legitimate shot to do damage in the AFC compared to what we may see in the NFC. That's the difference I see between both of these conferences. Well, outside of San Francisco, there are there are major flaws, at least one major flaw on every other of the contenders. Seriously, I mean the Niners are about as complete a team as you're going to find when fully healthy. There's in no today's game, sure, yeah, okay. That's and that's why we go back to this whole thing about the eras of football and stuff. That's why this era of football is is kind of hard for me to digest. I much preferred it back in in the '80s, '70s, and '80s when you had five or six teams that were top shelf, didn't have warts, were as complete as could be. And, you know, there will be those who say, well, you kind of restricted the amount of people who had a chance to win. Well, you did. But the line of division included many more teams than it does today. That line of division now has one team in it, San Francisco. And then there's that next big pool. Back in the day, there was the line of division of about six teams. Like, these teams are all really good. Any one of them could really win it because they're all that good. It, it's it's just a different combination. It's a different mixture uh, from what we had in those days. I preferred it the other way myself, but it is what it is. In fairness, though, what I think we see more often than not in the playoffs Sometimes the teams that don't appear to be dominant in the regular season can have success because it's a one-game format. And no doubt. That could open the door for just about anybody. Well, for that's example, what the three wild cards did. Yeah. It gave those people life. So that's why I'm not willing to count out any of the teams that may not win the you division can't. this year. 
because they very well could get hot. I mean, you brought up Cincinnati. Well, Jake Browning has probably performed much better than most backup quarterbacks who mm-hmm. take over. And right now, if the Bengals, if they get Jamar Chase healthy, I probably don't want to see Cincinnati in the postseason if I'm one of those division winners. I understand. Because I, I think the Bengals could be a dangerous team. You know the real enigma? And you may disagree, but I got a feeling you will agree. Spags got this Chiefs defense to play better than they have in recent years. Without a doubt. And it's the other side of the ball that has really had the ebbs and the flows. Uh, whether or not Tyree Kill really deserves that much credit for being their their fuel as he was for a couple of years there, uh, that Chiefs offense is no longer an offense that scares the living hell out of you anymore. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think Spags has done a fantastic job. You go back to earlier in the season, the Chiefs, they were winning games where they'd score 17 points, which was unheard of. You know, Normally, they'd have to outscore everybody. Mm-hmm. Though, the Chiefs did a nice job, Paul, last season without Tyree Kill. So, I'm not going to all of a sudden say the absence of Tyree Kill has completely forced the offense to disappear. I think the problem this year is some of the players, the compliments last season that made plays have not done it as consistently. For example, Valdez, Scantling, and Tony, there's a reason why the Chiefs lead the NFL in drop passes mm-hmm. this year. Those were not as prevalent last season as they are now in 2023. And that's what's really done them in. To bring the conversation back into the Giants room and why I really wanted to have this this uh, uh, kind of chat with you is because you're looking at an NFL that has such a wide pool of teams in that second division after the 49ers. And again, the other teams that may be just a little bit on the edge of the pool, but then the rest of it is a very wide pool. That's important to understand because when you're the New York Giants and you are trying to build something here in the second year of this coaching staff and this administration, you don't have to be as good as the elite teams were in the 80s or in the early 90s. You don't. To be a contender in today's NFL, to be honest, folks, you just have to be a little bit better than mediocre, and you have a chance. So the bar or the standard, what you have to get to to be competitive in this league in 2023 and to maybe get to a Super Bowl in 2023 You're not having to climb 15 stories to do it anymore. The way this league is built and the way the quicksand of mediocrity has enveloped most of the NFL, you only have to go nine stories to now be a legitimate team that can make a couple of of, uh, playoff victories. That's just the way it is now. And I, I, I stress that because as we close this 2023 season and people try to figure out, well, where are the Giants and where do they have to go? Okay, we know that because of the matchup against Philly, specifically their D-line in the trenches against the Giants' offensive line, which in all its machinations has struggled. And Dallas, too. I think and Dallas, too. As well. yeah. That's a problem because there are two teams in this division yep. that have a matchup nightmare for the Giants. But as far as the rest of the NFC is concerned, and I know they just lost a terrible performance down in New Orleans, but this team is not that far away. We talked about it. The Bills game, the Jets game. Those were two games that, by all rights, those were wins. Well, 
what would two wins do to the standings right now? They'd be in with the rest of those folks who were all beating each other over the head trying to nail down a wild card spot. So you're not that far away. But I think the problem is, unlike some of the other teams that at least you have a little bit more faith in, is you've got an idea of what their identity is. You have an idea of what you're going to see on a week-to-week basis. I don't know if we've got. Do you really in this league, though? Do you really? I, I Look, I have some friends who like to partake in uh, predictions and trying to make profits out of those things. Okay, yes. I personally abhor... You danced around that one nicely. Well, yes. I, ab- I abhor <laughs> people who spend so much time and investment in that stuff. I, I, I just love the game. Sure. I don't need any enhancement to enjoy watching a football game, okay? I love the game. That's what gets me you know, all lathered up. I don't need enhancements. Um, this is some description. By well, the way. for those people who need yeah. enhancements. I love okay, the word enhancements. They, they yeah. can't stand the fact that so many teams in this league are Jekyll and Hyde. True. Well, that's what, that's what the quicksand of mediocrity produces. Jekyll and Hyde football. You don't know week to week what the hell you're getting. No, there is validity behind that, but... Nobody's going to go 17-0 and in today's NFL. It's unheard of. So there's going to be steps back for well, hell. the premier teams. What, what did the 2007 that, Patriots do? What did they do? True, but that's the one example that and, you And, of course, again, here's it, the problem. That's also 16 years ago. Correct. But outside of the Patriots, who else threatened to that degree? That's oh, my I point. Know. I know. So everyone's going to have a hiccup. So I don't look at that as a negative, but I think if you went down the list, and I know we were talking about maybe San Francisco and Baltimore have separated themselves, but Miami has a really good run game. I think you know mm-hmm. if they handle themselves in the trenches, Raheem Mostert and Devon Achan, they could pound the football. Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell are going to win their routes, and if two is on point, they're going to have those explosive plays. Yes. We talked about Kansas City's defense has been fairly reliable. Cleveland's defense has been fairly reliable. Yeah, but every single one of these teams has proven that they can throw out miserable games on a given weekend. Sure. And, and, and not, but just, not, not just that. But not yes. just get beat. I'm talking about literally lay an egg. Just be dreadful. Sure. Well, I mean, look, and this and and, and but, that's that that's just the Jekyll and Hyde stuff that I don't I I really have a hard time stomaching. I don't mind if a good team goes out there and gets beat by another good team, or plays pretty well and there's a fluke call or a or fluke turnover and they lose the game. No, every single Monday or Tuesday morning, if you prefer, after Monday Night Football. Every single one of us NFL fans is sitting there and looking at the scores from the weekend and saying, how did that game happen? How did that other game happen? And how did this game happen? This is ridiculous. There's no way that should have happened. But, But teams are so Jekyll and Hyde. Most of the teams in this league are now. That's not good. Well, the league loves that, though. That's competitive uh, balance. That gives you a okay. chance to go out. I'm telling you, though, where the league I know, stands. I know, well, I, mean, I know. That's from, the rationale. From, you just sold what the league has been campaigning for. It's that's something that it's it's an ap- it's an appetite that I don't have, but I understand it's great for business, and consequently, it's a good thing, right? According to the definition of what's good, it's great for business. Well, but I also think it's a product of the structure of the league. And maybe you didn't see this as much in the 80s and the 90s, you'll say. But when you have a one playoff format, 
that lessens the juggernauts a bit, Paul, because you could have just one bad Sunday or Monday. Yeah. Well, right? the expansion Whereas, of the playoffs is part of it, too. Correct. No, You're but, right. But my point is, in the NBA, for example, okay, you could even throw in hockey. I know hockey has more upsets than basketball, so maybe that's not a great example. But in the NBA, you're telling the lesser teams, go out and beat the top-heavy teams four times out of seven. The percentage favors mm-hmm. the higher seeds, does it you're not? Right. right. You're right. So it's very hard to pull off an upset in the NBA because you're not laying out this in-season tournament structure that they just had. Okay, that's not the postseason where maybe a mediocre team could go out and win three straight games Mm -hmm. in a December stretch. Now go do that within a small period of time in seven games, win four. I like the chances of the higher seed. Okay, In football, you could open the door for a wild card because you're telling them go out and beat the number one seed one time on any given no Sunday. doubt so my point is the nfl structure i think allows that competitive balance and parity by design as well the the mathematics of the postseason tournament absolutely lend itself yeah. to to a wider mixture of possibilities i would never dispute that and i don't have a problem with that that's what makes nfl playoff games so incredible is that you are one and done sure. okay and so the intensity and the emotion of an NFL playoff game is is off the charts that morning. Trust me, I know. I've been bouncing off the ceilings enough during my <laughs> career. But having said that, okay, because of the rest of the business restrictions in this league, specifically the salary cap, you also can significantly cripple a team's chances just with even one significant injury. All of a sudden, boom. Now because it's a one and none, you got a huge problem. Um Look, be that as it may, this all goes back to what I'm telling you folks. Uh, There are a lot of longtime Giants fans out there who are saying, well, they got to get all the way up to here to be a playoff team. The answer is, in today's NFL, you only got to get to here to be a playoff team. So the trek isn't as far to get as it used to be. That's the whole point for me for this conversation as we look at the Giants during the final three games of this season. Well, and that's with the standard in fairness being the seventh overall seed, right? Because you're saying just get into well, the Well, that's what it seed. is now. Correct. But I guess that's I'm, what it is. I'm coming from more of this standpoint, and I'm with you. There is a lot of Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, but I think the Giants this season, and for those watching the show, it's up and down and up and down. I mean, it is a huge drop in a roller coaster. I think most teams in the NFL, if you want to have a reasonable shot— the highs and the lows can't be as extreme, Paul. With the Giants, they've been extreme well, over the last decade. And that's where they have to make, I would say, a bigger jump. You're right. The bar to get into the playoffs is not a lot lower. It's a lot lower. The bar to remain in the dialogue and do it year in and year out, you've got to cut down the extremes. And well, sure you've got you to do. cut down the extremes against the Eagles and the Cowboys because... Before I let you respond to that, Saquon spoke to the media the other day, and I thought he summed it up beautifully. Mm -hmm. He was asked about going to Philly, because Saquon has yet to win a game, by the way, in Philadelphia. The Giants have lost 10 straight games at the link, including one playoff game, and that goes back to 2013 when Justin Pugh was a rookie. Week 8, 2013. To put things in perspective, Michael Vick started that game for the Eagles. Matt Barkley filled in for him because Vick couldn't finish, and Barkley is now on the Giants. So... It well, that's really when the Giants punished that Eagles team that day. Yes, they did. No, they definitely Very enjoyable afternoon, I might won add. the game in the trenches. But that's a long time. 
And that's a lot of different oh, rosters, is. Paul. A lot of different coordinators, head coaches, personnel, you name it. So Barkley knows that firsthand. And Dallas, it's been just as extreme when you look at what's occurred also over the last decade. So, I mean, Saquon wasn't sugarcoating it. He said if they want to make an indent, they've got to start beating the teams. Forget outside the conference, outside the division. You've got to show that you can be competitive within the division. And outside of Washington, they have struggled immensely to do that. So when we're talking about jumps, that's where the first hurdle has to begin. Well, they always tell you you got to win your divisional games. And the Giants are challenged, at least in the last decade, by four divisional games. Not so much Washington because hole. they own Washington. But at <laughs> best, that means you're going to go two and but, four. And that's and that's the problem, because outside the division, I'm I'm usually not that much concerned because of the quicksand of mediocrity. But the problem is you've got these two teams in the division that have matchup headaches, you know, cause matchup headaches for the Giants. And so this this is a chance now on Sunday. Ultimately, this is the chance for them to try to show some fight against Philadelphia, knowing that it is a matchup problem. They are shorthanded uh, in terms of overall talent up against the line of scrimmage. We know that Dexter Lawrence is hurting. We know that the offensive line is coming off a very, very rough game against New Orleans. And so, like Justin Pugh said the other day, be a man about it. This is a chance to show some redemption, show some show some fight, show some manhood. For that, I'm glad for this team because it is an opportunity to to try to throw some punches to uh, figuratively, not literally, folks. Figuratively, throw some punches and at least tell the Eagles that hey, it's going to start being different sometime real soon. I think you look at Monday's game, just to sum things up before we open up the phone lines here. The question is, can the Giants capitalize on a few of these Eagles' problem areas that we talked about great. at the top? You know, can you be very effective, Paul, on third down? Third down has been a horror show for the Eagles yeah. this season. I mean, Seattle did nothing through the air for three-plus quarters. They did a really good job keeping Drew Locke in check. He had about 92 passing yards. Look at that number. 47% allowed yeah. on third down last well, in the National Football League. And I would say round it up to 48 because it's 47.7 there. So it's bad. And what I was going to use as an example, that Seattle drive, that last drive when the Seahawks scored the go-ahead touchdown, Seattle faced two third and tens, Paul. Third and tens we're talking about. We're not talking about third and fours, mm-hmm. third and fives. Third and tens. Now, DK Metcalf made a heck of a grab on one of them. You got to give him credit. Playing above the X's and the O's. Yep. Got to do it. 100%. The other one was Jackson Smith and Jigba. Nice grab in the corner yep. of the end zone. But the Eagles defense put the Seahawks in a tough spot. And they still could not get out of that. So... Can the Giants get in more manageable third downs and keep the drives moving without getting caught in negative plays? That, to me, is one thing. Then, can they run the ball? Lately, not overall, the Eagles, for the first 10 weeks of the season, was one of the best run defenses in football, Paul. The last five games, they're Mm -hmm. giving up 145 rushing yards. They're wearing down. This defense is showing signs, man. They're cracking. So, that's another question that I would pose. Can the Giants... 
shows some semblance of a run game. Now, Paul, you and I a week ago, okay, let's move the calendar. We were talking about the matchup with the Saints. Yeah. One of the things we pointed out was the Saints struggled to stop the run. Well, they did a heck of a job taking Saquon out of the game and not allowing Tommy DeVito to have a duplication of what he did against Green Bay. So it's easy for us to sit here and say weakness, weakness, weakness. It's another thing. Can the Giants then make the team pay? So I'm bringing that back to the forefront, and I'm saying you want to make this a game? Be good on third down, run the football. They do that, I think that changes the conversation on Monday. If you want my wish list for, for Monday's game, I'm just going to put one thing on there, and it's my bold wish list. Just give me one thing. Give me Jalen Hyatt for over 100 yards and two touchdown catches. Okay, explosive plays. Against that defense and that secondary. Give me a Victor Cruz-type performance at the link so that Jalen Hyatt totally gets off and says, guess what, folks? The New York Giants are in your house, and we're going to be heard from. Jalen Hyatt making a bunch of big plays. I would love nothing more than that. So you're going old school. Victor Cruz on Namdi Asamoah. There you go. Correct, right? Nice. But he made that grab. Very nice. Episode. Yes. Oh, I remember that. Absolutely. Those battle royales. All right. We'll definitely get more into the matchup as we move forward here on Friday's BBKL. few reminders, Giants Huddle Podcast. You can check it out. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Go to Giants.com slash podcast. Some single tickets are still available for the two remaining home games. For more information, Giants.com slash tickets to secure your seat. And the Giants official connected TV streaming app, Giants TV. It brings you original video content and game highlights on demand and direct to big blue fans. Giants TV, it's free. It's on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, and the Giants mobile app. All right, let's open up the lines. Jonathan is in Westchester getting us started here on BBKO. What's happening, Jonathan? What do you got for us? Hey, how are you guys? Doing well. What's on your mind? Uh, so earlier in this week, I think it was Paul, you, and John were talking about uh, Evan Neal, you know, uh, regaining health and getting back in there when he is healthy. Um, so I wanted to ask you today about another guy who, who's been battling injuries. And this is a guy who I really haven't heard anything about this year. I know he was injured last year, and he's been on PUP all year this year. Aaron Robinson. Yeah, Aaron Robinson. Yep. That's it. Aaron you can Robinson. see that one a mile away. I, yep. I love the kid, and I think he's got a lot of skills and talent. But basically, it seems like this year may be a wash for him. You know, it, it's been a long struggle and a long rehab. And we do see him around the locker room during the course of the week. Uh, and, you know, he doesn't have any answers either. He's not sure when he'll be back on the field. I would love to believe that, you know, he, he'll at least be activated here down the stretch. I don't know that that's possible. Especially with the clock ticking. Here. And Yeah, and yeah. if it means that he's going to have to go another whole offseason or rehab to get right, well, you know what? Then let him come back to camp next year and fight for a job. Yeah, I look at this yeah. as a redshirt year for Aaron Robinson. Yeah. Brian Dable, I want to say maybe two, three weeks ago, was asked, Paul, about him. He had no wasn't answer. wasn't very encouraged, though, in terms of Didn't his seem like response. It. And that's my interpretation. Didn't I don't want to put words like in it. his mouth. But they did ask him a few reporters, and he didn't seem to give you an indication that it's promising for him to return. And it was a pretty significant knee injury for Aaron Robinson. So Big time. I don't think it's that surprising that we haven't seen him on the field. So when you take all that into consideration, Jonathan, I would say the best chance of seeing Anna Robinson is probably going to be 2024. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I feel badly for the guy. I know. I know. Yeah, the Giants, they 
they traded up, I think, to to take him, you know, in twenty twenty one. For me, he's he's a better boundary corner than he is a slot corner. When the Giants were forced out of necessity to play him in the slot as a rookie, he did not fare well. I don't think that's his best position. And you figure Adoree Jackson's a free agent at the end of the year, and it will probably cost some bucks to keep him. Don't know how that's going to turn out. So the Giants, you know, between Hawkins, who they drafted this year, hopefully Aaron Robinson coming back. I still think Flott is better on the boundary than he is in the slot. I still believe that. But, you know, you hope, you hope that the Giants have some numbers there. Because if, a, if Jackson does land with another team, you want competition opposite uh, uh, Banks. Right. Yeah, and you guys can check me on this. I think Robinson has only played in 11 games uh, over the course of his career. And he's going into the final year of his rookie deal. So Sure. Uh, well, I mean, think about it. He is. lost the bulk of last season. He hasn't played this year. So, I mean, I can look up the numbers, but that sounds accurate based on the fact that a year and a half of his career – on a four-year contract because he was a three, he was a third-round pick, so you don't get that fifth year. It's understandable that you're not going to log a lot of snaps and you're not going to log a lot of games. And I just brought it up, 11 games. Nine games in 2021, two in 2022. Yeah, so that's it. I mean, it, yeah. what a shame. He is yeah. a legit talent, and he has length and speed. Uh, he's, he's a player. At least he was before to, he got hurt. I'd love to see him in wing system, too. I know. I agree with you. Well, and that's the unfortunate part of players that get hurt and appreciate the phone call, Jonathan. We talk about the potential, can't stay on the field. It all of a sudden gets thrown to the wayside. And this is part of the problem that the Giants have to deal with, right? They don't know medically where is Daniel Jones going to be next year? Where is an Aaron Robinson going to be next year, right? Where is McKeithen going to be? Where is Zuzudu going to be? Yeah. They've got some guys who they would love to answer some questions with. But because of injury problems, and John and I have talked about this, how much confidence can you have that they may be potential answers when the medical issues are so cloudy? Well, that's why you hope that you get some clarity before the draft in late April. Heck, okay, even so Graham Cano. We don't know for sure. With the kicker situation, too, given him undergoing surgery, but it's also what you're talking about, Paul, another reason why we could sit here during the season and speculate about the draft and say, oh, the Giants need this, this, and that. Sometimes you have something that looks good on your roster that becomes a question mark later in the season because a guy goes down via injury. So that's more of a reason why I know it's cliche and sometimes fans don't want to hear it, but when executives say the best player available, the reason behind that thought process is because even if you look good at a position, three games into the following season, Paul, how do you know that depth is going to be as promising as it once looked? I mean, you go into the season... We were talking about offensive line depth a lot, right, last offseason. Mm-hmm. When we were talking about options, moving players around, and then Azudu goes down, and McKeithen gets hurt, and Andrew Thomas, and Evan Neal. And before you know it, all of that depth that we spent months discussing is non-existent. So that's more of a reason why the philosophy in the draft has to be if that player is valuable in your mind, but you look pretty good at that position— it may make sense still to capitalize as sure. opposed to reaching for somebody that fills a need, but 
you don't feel great about the player. You just you never know how injuries are going to play well, out. I'm glad you even mentioned Evan Neal because, quite frankly, he falls into that category too. About whether or not you know going into you the next don't season. know. Yeah, of course, injuries have so clouded his picture. You don't really know what Evan Neal is yet. And injuries over two seasons. Yes, we're talking about not just one. Yeah, heck, that's why Shane Lemieux is like the exaggerated example of this. Injury after injury after injury. A guy who was so durable at Oregon. Remember, we talked to Mario Cristobal. He didn't miss a start. Said, this guy never missed a snap in practice. I mean, they would try getting him out with a crowbar, and he wouldn't (laughs) want to take a practice snap off. He was the definition of durability at Oregon. He started, by the way, I just looked up, 52 consecutive games at left guard for Oregon during his college career. He gets to the Giants and Every bolt of lightning that could hit this guy (laughs) has hit this guy through four years to the point where now I I just don't know that you could put any faith in the durability factor that would give him a chance. I I just don't I just don't I just don't see how and 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 it's killing him. I've, I've talked to him so many times about this. He's like, I don't know what happened. I've never had to deal with this in the past. People will say college players get hurt. That makes pro players who get hurt. He wasn't hurt. And you look through recent and past Giants history, not to belabor the point, but there's been a lot of players that they've selected that unfortunately didn't survive because of injury. I mean, another guy that comes to mind, Ryan Connolly. Remember the fifth round pick sure. in 2019? Nice linebacker. And then he wound up and getting And even hurt. when he went to the Vikings, though, it never panned out for him. But you could he, argue he never was able to rebound. Toll, though, no question. Right? Okay. No question. He never wound up panning out, and the Giants actually were right to cut bait on him sooner rather than later. Well, I'm not disputing. Because he never yeah. was able to bounce back. And I'm not bringing that up to dispute the decision of the team. I'm just giving you another example of a player that looked to have some nice promise, right? And then gets hurt. And I, I'll, get, I'll, give, I'll give you one more, and he's still on the team. What do you do with Aziz Ojolari? Well, there's another one. I mean, through the first two years, when he's on the field, productive. Had trouble staying on the field. This year, having trouble staying on the field. When he's been on the field, hasn't been the same player. Maybe the injuries of the first two and a half seasons have impacted his now on-field ability. Maybe. I don't know the answer to that. The Giants have to figure that out, which is one of the reasons why I've even said to John, my top priority, if the value is there, again, the value is there, I wouldn't mind if they took the first-round pick and used it on a pass rusher. I would not mind that at all. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, especially based on the performance of the group this season. I think with old Jalari, just to answer your question right now, that's a market decision. How does the market play out for a player like that, Paul? Because sometimes teams don't want to take chances on these other guys. And if the market allows you to say, all right, we'll go another year and see whether or not you can stay healthy and be productive— you got to entertain that. I mean, you look at when he's on the field, the guy's productive. But the problem is Had been. the sample size is very, very small. And it's the old bang for the buck story, right? If you're going to invest in a player, you want to Well, there's not a lot of financial risk in keeping him for next year. Correct. Yeah, be the but I'm saying that if you're talking about beyond that. But yeah, I mean, you're trying to build this play. team yeah. and you want to build this team with guys who you think you can count on. Sure. I, I can't blame them if they doubt him right now. I can't. Before we head back to the lines, I'm just perusing recent and past draft history. Another guy I'd bring up, Weston Richburg. 
and he battled injuries towards the latter part of his Giants tenure, and then went to San Francisco and also had knee issues when he went there. Yeah. So gave them, I think, one decent season. Correct, really, but to be frank, couldn't hold up. So no. you're going to find several examples, unfortunately, where you draft a player. You hope for the best, and the injury bug has other plans, and we've seen that time and time again. Let's head back to the phone lines. We check in with Ron in New Jersey. Ron, what's happening? What do you got for us? Hey, hey guys. Happy holidays. You too. And uh, uh, th- thanks for the show. Always appreciate it. And, and by the way, uh, my tickets are in the West Club, so I pass you guys pregame all the time. I like the trivia games. Paul, I like you out there chatting with everybody. That, well, that thanks, thanks for showing us some interest in us. We appreciate it. So uh, we, we had a miracle in the Meadowlands once, which wasn't so good, of course. Um, so I've never seen a Christmas miracle, but I'm hoping for one this Monday. That would make the season a lot better. Okay. But, but here's my, my, my question uh, along what you guys are just talking about. I, I haven't gotten a good read on John Michael Schmidt. I, I think he's solid, hmm. um, but you guys see it better. And the reason I'm asking gets into this philosoph- philosophical question you're just talking about. We need a guard for sure, maybe two. I, I, I've changed my view on the draft where rather, unless you're at first, second, third, and there's a chance for a stud, I'd rather have more picks. So I'd rather trade back and have three, four second-round picks, two, three third-round picks. What, what's your uh, insights on that? There's no right or wrong answer, I realize. Sure. I don't know what the Giants draft board looks like, especially at the positions that – they may covet the most to really have an opinion on that right now. Once I get to the combine, that's where I really pick up a lot of my my draft intel and I and I really start to try to narrow it down. I mean, we've talked about this a hundred thousand times. Free agency's first too, and that's going to right. fill up some of your holes before you worry about the draft. I will say this: we know that Joe Shane is not afraid to shake and move. We, he's made that very clear to us, and he's already shown the evidence that he's not afraid to go get more picks or trade picks for that matter. So I would never right. rule anything out with him. I mean, that's about the no, best no, answer no, I could give you today. But, yeah, I think it comes down the, to go, – go ahead. Yeah. Well, yeah, you, you guys were talking about the injuries. I, I have no evidence for this. It strikes me there's more injuries than ever. Um, by the way, it's another reason Eli should be in the Hall of Fame. You know, we, we took that for granted. No doubt. Um, but But – it, it, it's a, it's so much of a roll of the dice. I, I, I look at some of the quarterbacks, you know, your Dak, your, your Purdy, even even our guy Tommy, you know, guys who aren't drafted first, second, third. After Jets, have that worked out for them, right? Yeah, so, sure. So, maybe I'm copping out, but just saying more bodies gives you more of a chance. Well, that, but that, you need, it's not, to me, it's not so much, Ron, more bodies, it's more good bodies, more productive bodies, yeah. okay? So, you know, just saying I want 11 draft picks for the sake of saying I want 11 draft picks is great, but if the players don't produce when you call upon them, what good is that? So, I, I think, to me, my philosophy that I like to subscribe to is if you're on the board, and you have a lot of guys that are still available that you're very high on, you take the player. You don't even think about, well, we may get an extra fourth-round pick or an extra fifth-rounder, and we'll bring in an extra body. Now, if you're in a group of players where there's no love fest and you're willing to move down and take a flyer on another guy, all right, then maybe you weigh adding another pick. I mean, for example, Joe Shane, his first year, they 
acquired 11 picks in 2022, right. okay? So that year, they got Micah McFadden in the fifth round. Micah's turned out to be a right. really nice get, okay? Sure. So that's a good example. DJ Davidson was also a fifth-round pick that year, and, you know, we'll see what happens with Marcus McKeithen. He was their third fifth-round pick, but unfortunately he's dealt with some injuries. Bellinger they got in the fourth round. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm naming several players that have been productive. So that draft turned out to be nice, at least in the early going, but every draft is not like that where we're going to count four or five fourth and fifth rounders that step up and yeah, produce. I'm, where right, did I'm you want to pick up the third. extra picks, if I may ask? Where second, did you want to get them? I, 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 I want in the second round. To, to second round. The, All right, right round, now yeah. they've got pick, according to Tankathon, they've got number 37 and number 46. All right, right. in the second round. They've got two there already. In the third round, their overall pick is number 73. And then in the fourth round, their overall pick is number 108. So that's five picks in the that's, first that's 108 right. selections. Yeah, they got a nice number there, yeah. You know, do you but, do you necessarily feel like you still need to get some more within that range? It depends. If, if I have a stud receiver I really want, a stud offensive lineman, best, best player available, George Young, sure. Yeah. But if you can get for that first-round pick, if we're like in 10th, and get a second and a third, I I'd consider that if I could find somebody to make that trade. Fair enough. Yeah. I, again, I don't rule anything fair, out. Fair. And appreciate the phone yeah, call, Ron. Thank you. And, you know, once again, it goes back to how does Joe Shane and his scouting department and the staff feel about the players available at 10? Because I know Giants fans, they love to bring up in the coulda, woulda, shoulda world, and we still don't know what would have happened if the Giants held on to the pick, but the year that you had... Micah Parsons and Rashawn Slater still on the board, and they moved down, and they grabbed Tony. Now, granted, they got a lot after that trade, okay? Right. So you still need to take that into consideration. But the point is, it's all in the eye of the beholder. If the organization doesn't feel great about any of those guys that are available, you can understand why they want to move down, and they feel they could still get good value. But if you really like one of the guys that's still there, then to me, that's enough. You gotta to do it. You stay where you, you gotta are. take them. Yeah, you gotta take them, and you don't move. Look, this draft is enough of a crapshoot that if you aren't fully in and and apply total conviction to a pick, well, then what are you doing making the selection? You better be really sure and really confident because even with that confidence, there's a great percentage telling you that there's a chance the guy doesn't work out. Well, to piggyback over your point, Paul, there's also a greater percentage telling you the higher you pick the player, the more likely the player pans out, right? You would, I would hope. Think over time. You would hope. No, you do. I mean, listen, there's exceptions, and we're going to go through fifth-round picks, sixth-round picks, and with the Giants, and you'll say, well, they're productive. But overall, history of the NFL, right. the higher the player goes, the more likely the player will pan out. So that's more of a reason why you got to think twice before you move down because you're, by definition of the draft, you're decreasing your chances of that player one actually coming think. to fruition. Yeah, one would think. Then again, you, you've you got, you know, even the undrafted rookie free agents, and, and we have seen a bunch of those guys, specifically at wide receiver and defensive back, who have actually come into the league without being drafted at all and then still turned in terrific careers, which – Always goes to show you, and we talk about this all the time, that's the mystery eighth round of the draft, Yeah, you know, which is is still greatly significant. You, you invest so much money and time and manpower into scouting, doing everything you can to try to find 
guys who are going to be talented enough to not just make your team, but to make your team significantly better. It's not an exact science. It will never be an exact science. So all you can do is take your best swing when you're up on the board. That's it, Lance. That's it. You know, and um, it's to me right now, it's too premature to even take a guess as to what the Giants will want to do in terms of movement. Let's head back to the phone lines. We got Randy in California here on BBKL. What's happening, Randy? Hey, good afternoon, guys. I just want to tell you guys uh, thank you for the content and uh, wish you and your families a Merry Christmas. You too. Thank you. Uh, I had a question. Uh, you know, they were saying that we're on like razor's edge of making the playoffs. Do we know what scenario that will play out on Sunday would actually eliminate us? I've seen it. I've seen it. I did not really pay much attention. Do you have it, Lance? I'm going to try to bring it up. Yeah. I mean, I could tell you they lose to the Eagles. I mean, that's I mean, that's it's over. It, it, it yeah. won't matter. I mean, it really it really won't <laughs> right, matter. Right. That's the one what game else that happens. pulls the pin out right yeah. there. I mean, I, I think, Randy, I guess you're asking the question because you want to see whether or not they'll know their fate even before the Monday game. Is right. that what you're getting at? Exactly. Okay. okay. No, that's a fair exactly. question. Yeah. Right. And I well, can, Were you my, thinking my of thing... going? Is that is that the dilemma? <laughs> Are you going to Philly? No, no, no. no. I would love to clip the Eagles. I mean, Eagles, whatever you want to call them. I call them the Eagles, but whatever. I'm in California, so I call them the Eagles. So, okay. Uh, I, I would, I would love to see uh, Shane and them if we lose, if it's mathematically done on Sunday, right? I would like to see them just let some of the young players come out, right, and treat the rest of the season like a preseason, mm-hmm. and see what players you want to keep and what you want to get rid of. I understand the thought. I understand right? the thought. I mean, I mean, do you, I understand we want to beat the Eagles, and you know what? I do too. We all do, right? Because we hate them, right? It's just <laughs> it's a fact, right? I, I'm I, I'm sorry, I've hated them since 1980, 81. So don't get me started on that. But that's anyway, okay. Uh, hey, remember you yeah. beat you beat the Eagles in the eighty one playoffs. Just remember yes, that at did. the old vet. Yes, we. The yes, Wally we Henry did, game. Right? Boy, was that fun! And you know, hey, my my tight my favorite tight ends are Bavaro and Cross. I love those guys. There you go. I don't. I didn't like Shockey too much because he was too, you know, whatever. But anyway, uh, but those are my two favorites, right? And I just want to know, would you guys go into preseason mode on Sunday if we're mathematically done and out of it? Or would you tell your players that we're already mathematically, you know what I mean? Or would you just just go at it on Sunday and just let it out? Well, Randy, I mean, I would say the Giants already have a young roster, okay, by definition. They're playing a lot of young guys. Just out of curiosity, okay, if we go down that hypothetical road, who are you dying to see that you haven't seen yet? I guess that's my question to you. Who needs to play that has not been exposed? Right. Well, you got some players on uh, defense and offense that don't get a lot of playing time, right? You got some guys on a practice squad you might want to take a look at, right? Well, but I would say there's a reason why they're on the practice squad. Listen, they've been through so many injuries this season, Randy. Don't you think if the coaching staff thought there was going to be a savior that they probably would have exposed those players? I mean, you look at, on defense, Deontay Banks, you want him to play? Trey Hawkins, you want to argue? Maybe you want to see him a little bit more? Okay, but I mean, he played earlier yeah. in the season. I'm going to help our caller out. Yeah. You want you want three names who, who you would really be curious to see? I, I think you'd yeah. be curious to see Eric Gray run the ball more, right? You, okay. You'd love to see yeah. him maybe get a half of action in to see what he can do more as a runner in a real game. 
because we saw during camp he looked like he's he's a good pick. But we don't know much about him because in the regular season, he's barely touched the ball. Well, right. when Barkley was hurt, though, came in a little bit. Very little small bit, yeah. sample size. Very I little. think, I think yeah. right? Yeah, so you'd like little. to see more of him. You'd like to see more probably of, of Trey Hawkins, right? And you'd right. probably like to see Javarius Owens, who's not gotten a jersey on game day. I mean, he's on the 53. Right. He, he was a late third-day pick. Made the roster as a safety, had a nice camp and a nice preseason, and we haven't seen him in a regular season game. So my guess is those are three guys you'd probably like to see. And then I guess maybe you throw out Jordan Riley as well. Yeah, but you probably would like to see Jordan Riley too. Riley, I'll give you as well. Right. So I think I I I just want to. I understand your perspective. Some of those guys play right. Understand. We we want to keep them. Yeah, and I totally understand. I don't know that I totally agree, but I totally understand. Right, because there's nothing to play for. So, you, hey, you don't get a much of a preseason in the regular part of it anyway, right? So use this to your advantage right now, right? And Take a look at what you got and what you want to keep young players. Sure. Right? And, and so, listen, and anyway, Randy, yeah, we'll, we'll let you go on that note. I appreciate the phone call. And that may be part of the philosophy the coaches have, but I'll just I'll go back to Brian Dable has been asked about this ever since the Giants put themselves in a very You play, you play to win the game. And his response has always been, and I don't think it's just – Saying it for the sake of saying it. If you watch, then who winds up playing on game day? Oh, he means I mean, it. Let's put it this way, okay? Jordan Riley, who is a player that has some intrigue. And because of some of the nicks and bumps and bruises at defensive tackle, you may wind up seeing a lot of Jordan Riley yeah, this week. But what I'm getting at is Dex had been banged up, right? Mm-hmm. We have not seen Jordan Riley's snap count increase exponentially. You may see it this week, okay, though, because may- Nacho and Robinson are both nicked up, but, too. But what I'm saying is when Dex was out and you had a healthy Nacho and Aishon, they Nacho and Aishon were veterans played. Okay. I know. So I don't see that dramatically changing, but to your point, you start taking these other guys away, then you're forced in to playing somebody like Jordan Riley. And then, I mean, you brought up Javarius Owens. Okay, well, who's ahead of him? Jason Pinnock. And Pinnock's had a really good season. Belton. Belton, too. And obviously McKinney. But are they going to bench those guys when you could argue you're evaluating those three too, are you not, Paul? I was giving him some suggested names who he has a right to be curious about. I wasn't saying that I needed to see them play, but he has a right to be curious about those guys because they were draft choices and they made the team. Sure. So see, it's a spider web. Okay, it's I'm, always I'm a using, spider web. But it's a spider web with trying to figure out whether or not you play some of the young guys. You still evaluate some of the guys ahead of the depth. It is a so scrambled forth. plate of spaghetti. There you go. Yes, all intertwined in so many different directions. There you go. With tomato sauce poured on top of it to make it even more and mushy. Don't forget the meatballs. And, well, there we go. And and so, and, and the so, che- see, and, the, and the grated cheese. Yes, you're putting in other challenges to navigate essentially. <laughs> so I'm looking through. Well, I can tell you this. According to the NFL's website. Just to give you an idea, entering this week, yes. they put the Giants' playoff percentage at less than 1%. If they win and they beat the Eagles, they put the playoff percentage at 2%. Okay. If they lose, they have a 0% of making the playoffs. That's the percentage breakdown. Although, this is what the NFL has on its website. Although the model hasn't completely ruled out a Giants' playoff bid, it's at literally point. Six percent of making the playoffs. The team's biggest contribution to this season's playoff picture is more likely as a massive spoiler. This is according to the NFL. They're saying because they're playing the Eagles, the Rams, that the Giants will have more influence on other teams' fate than their actual own fate. So 
The way that I look at it, with 0% if they lose, Giants lose to the Eagles, it's over. If somebody else wins or loses, I don't have an exact answer to tell you whether or not there could be a scenario where they go into Monday's game and know that that 0.6% has dipped to zero. I will peruse through some other documents before the end of the show to see if I can check get Lance's some Twitter closure. page. He'll he'll yes. uncover this for you. But I, I think that pretty much spells it out based on the circumstances. And listen, the players in the locker room, they know that. And I think, Paul, you were in the locker room after the New Orleans game. Mm -hmm. I think they knew that in that moment that that was a devastating loss to keep any slight hope still alive. They knew that. You could tell based on the reaction in the locker room. All those guys came to grips with that. Had they beat New Orleans, they'd be right in the middle of this thing right now. That's what hurts so much about it. They needed four other games to fall a certain way. Three of the four fell that way, which meant they would have still been very much alive going into this weekend. That's why that that loss in New Orleans was devastating. In so many ways, for me, it was inexplicable. But it happened. And as far as the opportunity, as the NFL website put it forth, there's a lot of guys on this roster that have never tasted victory in Philadelphia. So that alone gives you a lot? Plenty of motivation. A lot? Yes. Well, everyone if they, if they did, they did it with another uniform yes, on. correct. Well, because once again, it's a youth movement. But, you know, Saquon was referencing him and I mean, Sterling the longest tenured giant yeah, is, is Shep. They're the elder statesmen on the And, roster. yeah. <laughs> it's been before Shep got here that well, the actually, Giants won in the link. Actually, you probably, you got to give Pew the edge over those guys. I know well, yeah, Pugh because left, but Pugh actually, he, he got one yeah. in 2013. So he got one. Pew is the one that actually has a leg up on everybody else on the roster. But the point is, that's fuel right there. The other fuel is the Eagles, they're in the playoffs, but they're still fighting for the NFC East title. So, you know, you can make it challenging and difficult for them from that standpoint. And it's a division game. Listen, this is what guys suit up for in the NFL, right? You suit up to take part in the rivalry of this league. Mm-hmm. And the rivalry in this league is alive and well within the division. The last thing you want to do is see a division foe flourish and succeed, especially in their own backyard. So whether there's anything mathematically to play for, those three elements right there, I think, gives you enough that you can at least go out there and do some damage. And then to the last caller's point, there's young guys that know that they're going out there and they are leaving it all out on the film to determine their fate, whether it be with this organization or not. And I will say this, Paul, if you can perform well against the Eagles and you are not going to be on this roster next year, I think it will help your cause if they see you against high-caliber competition and you go out and play hard. So I think every player has that mindset already. I don't think this is telling them anything they don't know. Mm -hmm. But those are four factors right there, regardless of what goes in before they kick things off Monday against the Eagles. I will... uh... I will take you back to the 81 season for a minute. And when the Giants knocked off Philly at the uh, old veteran stadium in the wildcard game, that was the beginning of the end for that franchise because they went all the way to 1988 before they had a winning record again. The Giants basically delivered a huge left uppercut to the jaw. Oh, use this hand. Okay. And and basically knocked out the Eagles for six years. They were in oblivion uh, for six years until Buddy Ryan was able to rise them from the ashes again. Um, Dick Vermeil 
had done so much for them. They had gone to the playoffs four straight seasons, and then the Giants went down there and stuck it to them. And that franchise took an about face and took a turn straight downhill into the cave in the caverns. Wouldn't it be wonderful if the Giants could do some damage to the Eagles in these next two games and take what has been a very strong Eagles team and to chip away at the cracks in their armor and start them on another six-year plunge? Wouldn't that be awesome? (laughs) I don't expect that necessarily, but boy, that would be really, really cool. Well, and the Eagles roster is going to change too because they have some aging veterans on defense. Will Jason Kelsey retire after this season? It's possible, you know, this could be the last installment of what the Giants are seeing with this current structure and Fletcher Cox. of the team. Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham. Go away there already. Be a few Please. guys that retire after Just this year. Find, it's possible. find somewhere to go and get off the field. <laughs> so that's retire. Your, that's your philosophy in trying to win a football game. Well, I would say. I'm not saying, I'm not talking about now. Sure. I'm yeah. talking about. Get get those tacks in the road, okay, which is what they did in 81 when they punctured those tires and then the Eagles' car went to the side of the road and just sat there and collected rust for six seasons. The it was a beautiful thing. The problem is, though, to take your analogy to the present day, they may have the tack of the tire, and then you know what they do? They bring in a guy by the name of Jalen Carter, and he puts his hand on the hole and plugs it up. They draft Milton Williams. I mean, think about all these young guys that they're bringing in to help replace some of the aging veterans. They've done a very effective job in that. That's why Philly I know. has been I know. so good over the last decade. I know. I'm, so. Hey, this is, this, is the, the, this is the holiday season. You're allowed to wish for things. I'm not trying to take that away from you. I, I'm just trying to bring a little bit of reality. Oh, I know the what situation. the reality That's is, all. but I don't yes. like chewing on it very much. No, I, I understand. I, I'd, rather, I'd rather throw out some holiday wishes. There you go. Well, I'd say that's a good way to wrap up shop here. By the way, happy yes. holidays, everybody. Yes, happy holidays and a Merry Christmas. We will not have a show on Monday. On we Christmas will not. Day. Be back on Tuesday. We've got a game. we got to work on Monday. p.m. Eastern, correct. There is going to be a football <laughs> game. It's actually part of a triple header on Christmas. So it is. The NFL is now taking over the NBA's party on that mm-hmm. day. So there's going to be a lot of football over the next few days. We get Saturday football, Sunday football, Monday football. Paul is on cloud nine. He can avoid the family. He can eat. He can be merry. <laughs> I, I mean, this is your dream scenario here. Look, you can tell he's already all smiles. I was trying to avoid the family all the way to the Super Bowl, but that's not going to happen this no, year. No, but I think he got a nice excuse, though, I was going to say, for the next three days. Do you not? You got football and you got Giants football to oh, uh, end up with the icing on the cake. All right. That is going to wrap up today's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live, part of the Giants platforms everywhere, Giants.com slash podcast. Everybody, enjoy the weekend, the lengthy weekend. A Merry Christmas to all. We'll speak to you next week. For Paul Dettino, I'm Lance Meadow. And remember to stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest. Have a good one. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Tired of pickup truck bed chaos? Meet Decked. 
Game-changing USA-made full bed-length drawers for tools and gear. Waterproof, dustproof, lockable, secure. Whether you're working, hunting, fishing, camping, or just getting out of town. And introducing decked deco cases. Tough, modular, problem-solving cases built for the truck, job site, campsite, or garage. Say goodbye to random bins and tie-downs. Order now at deck.com slash iHeart for free shipping. Decked. Your truck, your rules. Deck.com forward slash iHeart. 